Thank you, Pastor J.D. Well, thanks for braving the dusting of snow to be at church this morning. Glad that you could be here. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and folks, this is nothing. This is nothing. We're glad you're here. Um, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift ever given, and he's also the greatest gift ever received to us. And so over the course of this season and celebrating uh, the incarnation of Christ, we're doing a series called Gift Exchange. We're realizing what we bring to Christ and what we receive from him. And boy, I, as I study for this, I am so thankful for the grace of God. Last week, we learned that we bring our sin to Christ and he gives us salvation in return. What an upgrade, really. We deserve the wrath of God and we get the righteousness of God. That's all through the gift of Jesus. Well, today we're going to be talking about bringing our position before the Lord, bringing our position to Jesus, and we're going to be receiving humility in return. See, we value humility, but we value most of us more than humility, our position. And we think about whether it's a perception or whether reality about where we are or where we should be in life. And we constantly gauge ourselves as we look around and look at other people our age or in our situation in life and go, if we're not where we want to be, we go, why am I not there? And we think it's not fair and we become discontent with our position. Others who have risen to the top and are doing really well and we've got the grades and we've got the, the things that we need, we compare ourselves and we walk away with a little bit of pride as we walk around and say, I'm better than other people. And the reality is, is we're all called to bring our positions before the Lord and humble ourselves before him. Jesus showed us how to do that. You know, in our culture, we grow up in a culture that uh, actually values and has as a virtue humility. And it, the, in this culture, it's kind of like we, we roll our eyes when we see arrogance, right? Remember uh, Terrell Owens on the Dallas Cowboys when he said, I love me some me. And he actually tried to copyright that phrase. And we just kind of go, oh, brother, I mean, you're a good football player, but come on. But then why is it when we look at someone who's humble as an athlete, like one story that went viral on YouTube about a junior at West Liberty Salem High School in Ohio at the state track meet finals, uh, Megan Vogel, who is on the right there, uh, was coming along on the 3200 meter, meter race and she was in last place and she came across uh, this the athlete in front of her who collapsed and started cramping and she lifted her up and literally carried her across the finish line. And right before she made it to cross the finish line, she put the other girl's body in front. So she finished in front. And it's interesting as you see this video, you know, why is it in me that a lump developed in my throat and I started becoming emotionally involved in a humble act? See, Megan had uh, run the 1600 meter just an hour before this, and she got first in state. And because of the distance between the two, she didn't do well in the two mile. But she does an act of humility as a champion in the state. Why is it that we celebrate sometimes a high school student over a professional athlete? And the answer is humility. Humility. It's that virtue that we desire Unfortunately, though, as Christians, we don't always ask for humility from God. We tend to pray for confidence, success, victory, health, A's. Lord, keep me away from C's. No C's. Give me A's. 
We uh, pray for raises, not cutbacks. And we admire it in others. And we value it in our friendships, in our family relationships. But we always want to kind of qualify it in our lives. Lord, keep me humble, but not don't humiliate me. You know, tell me not go too low. And we tend to protect ourselves when it comes to the area of humility. But yet, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is literally God stepping down from his throne into this world. He left the highest position and exchanged it for the lowest position in perhaps even the universe. Jesus was born a vulnerable infant with a high death mortality rate of infants in an impoverished family with an unmarried mother, and he was pursued shortly after his birth by someone who called himself Herod the Great. You, you, have, you have the king of kings humbling himself and stepping down because God was committed and God was honoring humility. God's committed to your growth and maturity. And as his children, just like mothers and fathers, we're committed to the maturity of our children. And he wants to bless us with the gift of humility, if we'll receive it. We're going to be looking at two different passages. The first passage is in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 46. I'd invite you to turn there. And then the second passage we're going to be looking at is Philippians chapter 2. One is the what's called the Magnificat of Mary. After the angel told uh, Mary that she was going to give birth to Jesus... This was her response. And Luke, as he compiled his whole account of the life of Christ, uh, interviewed Mary. Eyewitness account to the birth of Jesus. Now, Mary is not to be worshipped. And scriptures never put Mary that were to pray to her or worship her. She was a humble woman whom God honored. And I know there's religions that pray to her and bow to her and, you know, view her as just under God. But the reality is scriptures never venerate her like that. They they honor her, but don't worship her. And neither should we. But she was humble. She was a humble woman whom God used to bring forth the, the child, Jesus. And then we're going to look at the life of Jesus and how he taught us humility. So with that, what, what we want to really talk to you about is is that gift exchange of we bring our positions to Christ and he gives us humility. It's a great gift. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, it says this. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And now let's turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. 
Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And now take a look at this. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. It's a gift. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There's an interesting book out on humility. It's written by an author named John Dixon. It's called Humilitas. It's a great read. I'd encourage you to grab it. It's not a long read, but it's very profound. Uh, John is a professor of ancient history in Sydney, Australia, and he makes this claim. He has this claim. Why does our culture, why does the Western culture have as a virtue humility? And he traces it back to Jesus Christ. He says this. He says, today it doesn't matter if your religious views are Christian, atheist, or Jedi Knight. <laughs> if you were raised in the West, you are likely to think that honor-seeking is morally questionable. And lowering yourself for the good of others is ethically beautiful. And he asks the question, why is that? And he comes back after studying all of ancient history. He comes back to say, Jesus of Nazareth. It was this man, he says, a Galilean peasant, brutally executed by Roman might. And yet how somehow reset the Western calendar and reshaped Western culture. You see, there's something about the world at that time that when Jesus was born into it, he radically transformed by his birth, his life, and his death, and his resurrection. See, it was a world that honored above everything honor, your personal honor. And the Roman world was focused on receiving the accolades of others. Your whole life was to be positioned and be strategized so that you would receive the honor and the praise of others others and yet equally it feared public shame there's cultures currently in the world outside of the west that still are based on this honor and avoiding at all costs shame you look at chinese china you look at india these are honor shame based environments yet in the western world we still have a value of humility and it goes back to the central object of the Christian faith, and that is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He changed our culture. What is humility? Well, the definition I want to go that we're shown by Jesus is this. Humility is the choice to step down from myself to lift God and others up. It's a choice. Now, you may have heard the word humiliation. That's not a choice. Okay, so you can be humiliated and uh, it's usually something like you were studying for the test and you got an F and you really thought you would get a B. That's to be humiliated. It wasn't your choice, but you were brought low. Now, I believe that God can grow us and he can mature us, whether we're humble or humiliated. But you will grow the most and you will grow deeper in your love for God and others when you make a choice. And that's what I want to focus on, making a choice to step down from ourselves in order to lift God and others up. 
And so God is going to grow us in this. And there's three areas that Mary talks about in her Magnificat that I want to address. Three words that are brought out there that, uh, that humility can be reflected in. Because pride is usually there. Wherever there's pride, there's an opportunity for humility to then take root. Three areas of pride in my life and yours that God really wants to target are our thoughts, our thrones, and our things. If you struggle with pride or arrogance or blindness, it's usually in these three areas. Your thoughts, your thrones, or your things. Let me explain. Let's start out with our thoughts. Humility is reflected in my thoughts. Thoughts are ideas in our minds. And they can be right or wrong or true or false. And yet they lead, they always lead to a plan to act. That's why when you're tempted, it usually hits your thoughts first. It's not wrong to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. But when you're tempted, your thoughts do something with it. They either based on your insecurity or your defensive attitude or your view of yourself that something takes root in your thought. Therefore, if you can target your thoughts to take on the mind of Christ, you can be humble in your thoughts. Mary said this, he has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. It's said of Jesus that we're to have this humble mind among ourselves, which is ours in Christ Jesus. We're called into taking on the mind of Christ as followers of Christ. Now, thoughts also represent beliefs, beliefs about yourself or others. And it's usually in a thought where you start to compare yourself with someone else or compete with someone else that you ought to be or have what they have. It's also in a thought where security or insecurity takes root. God knows our thoughts. Therefore, he targets our thoughts to be an environment where humility can begin. Have you heard the story about four people riding in the plane and uh, all of a sudden the pilot loses all power and the engines break and it's careening towards the earth. And he comes out and says, look, uh, we're, we're going to crash. And it's my plane. It's my parachute. I get a parachute. And there are only three parachutes and there's four people. He grabs a parachute and jumps out of the door. And these three people who are left kind of look at each other. And one of them is a brilliant professor. The other is a pastor and the other is a hiker. And they look at each other and go, whoa. And the first one to speak is the professor and goes, folks, I am the most brilliant professor that I know of. And I have received all these awards. I'm doing a ton of research. The world... It really would, would be hurt if something happened to me. So I think it's best that I, that I take this parachute and without even talking, grabs, grabs something, puts it on, jumps out of the plane. And, and then, then the pastor speaks up and says, son, you're younger than I am. Uh, I know where I'm going when I die. I have that confidence and I've had a great ministry and you've got your life ahead of you. Please just take the last parachute and, and you can live. And the hiker goes, hey, don't worry about it. We're in luck. The world's most brilliant professor just took my backpack. <laughs> you see, sometimes we're brilliant in some areas and we think that we're really good, but in other areas, we're not so brilliant. 
And being humble in our thoughts means that we're willing to step down and say, no, I don't know everything about that topic. And if, by the way, you are brilliant in an area, it's wise for you to step down with your, even, even what you know about the subject you're brilliant in and be humble with it because people are much more open to listening and to learning from you when you're humble with your view of yourself. Muhammad Ali, at the height of his career, was riding on a plane. And the pilot, um, you may realize if you've done any work on, on Muhammad Ali, he called himself the Black Superman. And he's flying on this plane, and the pilot comes over to the PA and goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're running through some turbulence. We'd like you to please fasten your seatbelts. And so everyone clicks on their seatbelts, and it really was bad turbulence. And and the stewardess came by Muhammad Ali and said, sir, I see you don't have your seatbelt on. Would you please put that on? He goes, Superman don't need no, no seatbelt. And she said, well, Superman don't need no plane. <laughs> so we're not as good as we often think. And humility is that appraisal of ourselves that really seeks to find reality, Right? Because it's easy for us, if we're successful in one area, to go into another area and to think we know it all. That's why, you know, if you're at the top of your field, you even come into a church and go, well, I could do it better. Or if you have experience in a church, I could do this better. We, we think that way. And that's why it's important. I can't tell you how many experts I talk to who people who come to them and seek advice, when it's not what they want, they don't listen anymore. When health, when wisdom, financial wisdom, uh, legal advice, learning in an academic environment, it all requires a humble thought, a humble mind, so that you can learn from someone. Humility is that something, and it requires all of us having an exchange, that we step down from our pride to seek the mind of Christ. That's what we're called to with Christ. Some people say, God told me to do this. And I always go, well, have you sought the scriptures first? No, no, it just feels like it's the best thing to do. Be careful on that one. Because you can make God say whatever you want him to say. That's why we all have to submit our minds to the mind of Christ in the scriptures. That's why our first question needs to say, God, what, what do you think about what I'm thinking? Because we are prideful people who prop ourselves up with our thoughts. And I like what Mary said. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts. That's what, that's what a mind that's prideful does. It's scattered. It's defensive. It's critical. It's always questioning. It's not resolute. Humility is reflected in my thoughts. also reflected in my thrones. Look at what Mary says in Luke 1.52. She says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Philippians 2 says that although Jesus was equal with God, he didn't call it, you know, count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. A servant instead of a king. It was unheard of to, to admire someone in the Roman world who, 
who would step down to a lower class to love someone or to lift someone else up in need. But yet that's the picture of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's how he came to this world. He stepped down from his throne. Once One moment he's receiving the praise of the angels. You see it in Isaiah. When Isaiah hears holy, 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 and he, he experiences and he witnesses all, all the elders bowing down before the throne. And yet one, the next second, Jesus is developing in the womb of Mary. He stepped down from his throne. And what did he receive from earth, on the earth? Did he receive acceptance? No, you have rejection. You have him being despised. You see him being, I mean, a, a vast majority of people rejected even his teachings. They wanted his power, but they didn't want him. And they didn't want his lordship in their lives. The same thing is in our world. We like how Jesus makes us feel. We want the power of Jesus and the provision of Jesus and the protection of Jesus, but we don't want to follow his lordship in our lives. And humility is stepping down from all of our positions. Now, some of us have been given positions of leadership. Others of us are, you know, whether it's a, whether it's in our homes or our places of work or in our communities, or in whatever organizations we're part of, we've been given positions. Every position is called on to submit to the lordship of Jesus. That's in the same way that on whatever position you've been given needs to be a place where you step down to serve. That's why the greatest leaders are the humble leaders who, who are sensitive to the people around them, who don't use authority as a crutch but who relate and love and, and allow the same rules that apply to everyone else are rules that they follow. They're not above it. Folks, thrones are something that we, we just garner pride from if we're not careful. And that's why each one of us needs to take that exchange where we step down from position to serve the will of Christ. Jesus did that. He stepped down from his position to serve the will of the Father. And he came and he was born and he lived a life here on this earth. He was rejected. He was crucified on a cross because his obedience to the point of death. So how have you used your position to reflect humility? What would your boss say about you? What would your employees or the people you manage say about your leadership, your position. Is it humble? What would your clients say after the sale? Are you a humble person? When they decide to go to a competitor, are you okay with that? Are you humble even when someone chooses not to buy what you have to offer? You know, at a younger age, I was, um, I was offended when people would leave Fellowship Bible Church to go to another church. The audacity! And now I laugh because, you know, God is at work at other churches in Topeka also. And uh, if it's not here, I want everyone to thrive in their relationship with Christ. I want everyone connected to a local church and deeply committed to a church family 
where they're growing in their walk, where they're serving Christ with their gifts that God has given them. And you know what? I've learned over the years to appreciate the Topeka Bible churches and the the Northland Christian churches and the Covenant Baptist Church and the Western Hills Baptist Church and all the churches that I've been involved here and, and met their pastors and pray with their pastors and grown in my love and appreciation for. And we partner in advancing the kingdom of God in this city. I've also grown in my picture of of what God is doing outside of Topeka and around the world. And we've gotten more involved as a church because we've stepped down from the position of competition and we've allowed God and we have served the will of, of God for us in Christ Jesus by, by loving people and calling people to grow and mature in Christ wherever they're planted. See, humility is reflected in our thrones. So it's our thoughts, it's our thrones, and our things. Look what Mary says in verse 53 of Luke 1. She says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Earlier she said, the mighty one has done great things for me. She saw it as priceless. But she also makes that contrast. She says, and the rich he has sent away Empty. Here Jesus forsook all things. And Philippians 2.8 says, In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In an honor-based culture, death on the cross was the most, most excruciating, shameful demonstration of the end game for you. It was, and yet, Biblical Christianity was all based on our hero being nailed to a tree and put up for public shame and scorn. That was the end game for Jesus. On his life here on this earth, he died on a cross. But that was not the end game for the economy of God. And nevertheless, the early church really struggled with our hero being a picture of shame. And yet shame was the very very environment that God brings forth humility. See, we have to step away from things to focus on one thing. And that is the cross of Christ. That's the picture that Paul brought out. And, And so the greatest things then are sacrificed at the cross. They're repurposed. They're humbled. All of our things are humbled to a greater purpose. Things are props. And the exchange that we need to make is that we have to step down from our props to share the cross of Christ. You go, how are my things props? Well, props are things that we, you know, elevate ourselves to show us that we're cool, that we're in, that we have what it takes, and and that we're adequate in life. We drive props. They're called cars. So that when we drive by, we like people to go, look at that. Look at that. That's a picture of success. We live in props so that when people drive by our homes, they go, oh, look at that. We wear props so that when we walk by, someone goes, cool, great, successful. We prop our lives up with with things and they become places for pride. And humility has to totally take our props and, and kick them out. So we're not standing on these props. It's, it's not like 
if you're blessed with these things, it's wrong. It's just that they have to serve a purpose, a greater purpose than just the glorification of yourself. It has to be the promotion, the exaltation of Jesus in our lives. That, that we consider, as Paul says, I can count all things as loss compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus. And, and that's why we've got to really, we've got to de-emphasize, humble everything in our lives so that they can be repurposed to promote the glory of God. And we're shown a reward when we do this. A look at what uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 say was the reward of the humility of Christ. Verse 9, it says, Therefore, as a result of everything Jesus has done, God had highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see what, what the Bible is bringing out is greatness? Greatness is when you make the choice to step down from your thro- thoughts, your thrones, and your things to make God and others greater in your life. That's greatness. And when you do that, God lifts you up. He exalts you. As he done, as he's done, Jesus Christ. And so we're called that, and we're also shown the great conversion of all things, whether it's a thought, a throne, or a thing. The great conversion is that ultimately everything we do will lift up the name of Jesus. That's why at the end of all things, those of us who know Christ and have trusted in Christ will go, yes, yes. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And those of us who have rejected him will go, oh, no. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's the great picture. Everything in heaven, everyone will profess the greatness of our God. So you will either make the choice to be humble now or you will be humiliated later. Your life is better. And your life is eternal in life if you humble now before this God. That's our choice. Those are the three areas that all of us struggle with pride. And those are the three invitations this morning. Your thought, your thrones, your things. Humble them in the sight of God that he might lift you up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an alternative to the way of this world. An alternative that is all about what we admire, that Jesus has taught us. Lord, I pray for a choice in everyone in this room, a choice to step down from prideful thoughts, from powerful positions, and for props, the props of things, in order to lift you and others up. We thank you for showing us, for stepping aside from your throne to give us your mind, to give us your authority, 
and to give us great things. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.